0: From Sydney, this is General Ike building Jerusalem. Our guest today is Manishtana. Manishtana is a writer, speaker, and rabbi on re- racial and religious identity particularly on how it manifests around American Judaism. His first novel, Ariel Sampson, Freelance Rabbi, won the honorary debut, debut fiction award at the Jewish Book Council's National Jewish Book Awards. Anishtana, it's a pleasure to have you on the it's show. It's great
1: being here. Thank you for having me. Uh,
0: I, I want to start with something that you mentioned off, off, uh, <laughs> to start off, off mic. Um, you're, you're studying right now for a, um, for, um, for the rabbinate with the Chabad Yeshiva. My second smicha, yes. Your second smicha? My second smicha. Why did you go back for seconds?
1: Um, well, like I said, I talk a lot about uh, race and religion uh, in Jewish spaces, and that tends to upset people sometimes. So I'm discussing. guessing it's only a matter of time before someone wants to defrock me. I just want to have some extra smichas in my back pocket right. to just <laughs> cover my back.
0: Uh, Chabad is particularly good at providing like, extra smichas. Extra, extra smichas. Yeah, right? yeah. My, um, uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned you grew up Chabad. Yes. Um, as did I. And like, oh, we both got better. Yeah, well. <laughs>
1: Listen, listen. <laughs> my my wife keeps saying that I'm I'm not ex chabad. I'm like, yeah, I am. She's like, how are you ex chabad? Like you still read Tanya, you wear a gardle, uh and I'm like, uh, go away. <laughs> she says I'm post chabad. Post Chabad. <laughs> post Chabad. I like
0: that. My my running thing is I'm ex ex chabad. Ex
1: ex chabad. Yeah. <laughs> For a while I was saying I was O T D Chabad. So. Oh, that's pretty
0: good. <laughs> hey, have you heard this phrase Chabad light? I've heard it. Hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's me. <laughs> no,
0: but, but you know what it is. Like, if you if it, have this phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. i
1: um, like, I think like uh, Sheva, Avag Yisrael and Crown Heights would describe itself as sort of Chabad light, uh, like the modern Orthodox version of Chabad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, are they?
0: Are they? Is that the minion just up off Kingston?
1: Uh, yeah, like around like uh Basil and that little that area over there. I, yeah. think, I think
0: I popped it on the yeah. one once. Um, yeah, but I, I, I feel like this, the, the fact that there are people now who are joining Chabad communities who like you know aren't necessarily exactly as cotton dry. I think that's probably like really healthy for the movement, yes. really healthy for the communities. Definitely, yeah. Definitely, uh,
1: how much the community is like actually accepting that you know those different viewpoints and that influx of like new thought is something different and. I think it's a little a bit of tension and struggle with that, like um, Aladdin Harai of Pop Chassid, like deals with a lot of sort of that. You say that again. Aladdin Harai, slash, uh, aka the Pop Chassid. The Pop Chassid uh, deals with, with Hevria. If you've heard of Hevria, Hevria book or those kind of things and creative fabrings, so um, he definitely pushed back on a lot of that. And I don't actually, he doesn't identify as Chabad anymore either, but he, yeah. Uh, uh, he had his uh, BT experience through Chabad, and that's mm. how he became more from. Then he moved to Crown Heights, and you yeah, know, Crown Heights is like a, I like to say it's like the Duma Sometimes, like people who come Chabad outside of Crown Heights and they come to Crown Heights, they like leave it a little bit. And people who like become Chabad in Crown Heights and they leave other places, like what is this? So it's it's a weird dichotomous thing that sort of happens.
0: Paraduma, like the like the red like, heifer. Yeah. Wow. what's the metaphor well, here
1: well um, you know the person who's like you know Tahor he becomes imp- impure oh. <laughs> like
0: it, it flips <laughs> each side if, no matter no matter who you are now you get a crown for a while they'll change you <laughs> yeah Wait, so the, so it's interesting because like I'm seeing like I grew up in the Sydney Chabad community mm-hmm. which is like sort of like a satellite community it's sort of like um it's like the sticks as far as Chabad communities go, I guess, because it's like we got a you know a few hundred people, mm-hmm. and that's it, and we're pretty much self-running or whatever. So we don't have like, I think anywhere as much of like, I don't know how much you know the the conformity top-down stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I was very not religious, like very very not religious for several years, but I still got to hang around and be part of the community, mm-hmm. and I think like that flexibility wouldn't have existed in a lot of like the older, more established, more mainstream. Oh yeah, that
1: definitely doesn't happen in, uh, I'll say definitely Crown Heights specifically, but I think just across Chabad in America in general, where you have more flexibility uh, before, like, you sort of uh, buy into Chabad, but mm. once you're there, you're like, now you belong in this box. Mm. And it's that sort of, you know culture shock that happens there, it's like, well I, I joined here because, you know, there's flexibility and I could like move and grow. But now that I'm locked in I go don't get to do that anymore. it's so yeah. a it's a weird thing.
0: I w- where does that come from? I don't know.
1: I don't know. <laughs> 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 well
0: well damn. My next question is what can we do to make it better? Well <laughs> I guess we're all out of it. If I
1: knew that I'd still be chabad, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Instead of just like, you know, studying the Tanya and wearing a yeah, when you're Dublin, yeah, right? You
1: know what? You and my wife would get along, right? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly.
0: Where, where do you like to Dublin?
1: Um, I like to an at my shul. I I run a small uh, minyan in New City in Rockland County. Mm-hmm. We're sort of like a, one of those house minyan kind of uh, things. Uh, the community calls us sort of the Nachabad. Oh, wow. Uh, because New City is very Jewish. It's... It's in Rockland County. So you've heard of Muncie and, yeah, and New Square. It's,
0: it's actually this. I think I read about this in the paper because the whole city was sort of founded by Hasidim who were expanding, right? That's
1: Square. So New Square is that. Mm-hmm. They, were, they came from Square mm-hmm. and came over to uh, Rockland County and just sort of set up shop there. So everyone calls it New Square. It's actually New Square. S-K-V-E-R. Wow. Square. Wow. Well, you know. So New City is very Jewish, but very reform and conservative Jewish. New
0: City is like a branch off from there or something I know it's, it's the
1: same general county. It's like right. sort of the bottom of Rockin' County. Then you move further up and you hit Munzee and New Square. Yeah. Um, so there's only really like Chabad there. Um, I mean, there there are more new modern things popping up closer to like the Munzee area, like in Buena Vista mm-hmm. and things like that. But in our immediate neighborhood, there's like the Chabad, then there's like us. Okay. Uh and so uh with Little House Minion, we have like little you know, Aranakodesh uh, Torah Crawl that we borrow from like a Shiva up the road. Um uh we just have Shabbat services. It's a very it's it's almost like a kibbutz mm-hmm. kind of and it's like uh you know like a volunteer community organic led kind of thing and kind of run on like a Chabad ideology in the way of, yes, this is an orthodox space, we're doing things orthodoxly, but you don't have to be to be here. Like- mm. um, We're not going to write Yeah, you we're, a we're not sure. We're going to assume that you walked the 17 miles here and you went, <laughs> that you didn't drive, and that your car isn't in the driveway. Well, you came from Connecticut? Anyway. <laughs> wow, well, it must have been quite
0: a walk. The snow belly touched you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. So we definitely do that because mm-hmm. we have people that are, like, coming more from or are in that sort of uh, conservative, traditional milieu that seems to be disappearing in America these days or, um, like, I don't want to say secular Sephardim, but Sephardim, they generally don't do anything, but when they do do them, they do them in, like,
0: they do them an hard, orthodox, yeah. traditional,
1: you know, sort of way. Um, and that's our little... Uh, a little community there. A little slice of paradise.
0: Yeah. Give me a moment here real quick. Sure. It's interesting you say that because I, I, I um, was watching the talk you gave it at ELI. Um, and I really like this this uh, thing you pulled out from a Gemara where um, one of the sages is... Like some Aramean shows up and he's yeah. like boasting yeah. to one of the sages. You know, the one who's like, oh, I've been eating from this, this sacrifice. <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> this whole time. And none of you know. And he's outed for it. And you and you point out, rightly so, mm-hmm. that um, the fact that he's been eating from this, uh, from the sacrifice the whole time and no one has caught him, like, shows you that people aren't running the Inquisition on each other. Exactly. Like, that's the, so, like, trying to live that a bit more is probably a good thing.
1: I mean, that's... Technically, the halachic
0: ideal, right? <laughs> Technically, the halachic ideal? ideal. Oh yeah. 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 Why, why, why do you think that's like so, so hard for people to find in, in communities today?
1: Um, hmm.
0: I mean, harder and easier here and there, but
1: I think it's uh, part of the idea that you know the default phenotypical you know, look of Jewish is this sort of white Ashken You know, sort of phenotype. Mm -hmm. And the other is, or what's given as an excuse for the other would be sort of this uh, post Holocaust narrative of trauma and gatekeeping and, you know, baddening down the hatches and closing ranks, which isn't necessarily the Holocaust narrative or an excuse.
0: Right. Well, it's interesting because, like, I I feel almost like if you want to. Like for that that side of the narrative, for mm-hmm. me, um, it sort of it goes back a bit to like when the Enlightenment was sweeping through Europe, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I think it was the Chasim Sofer. He had he took this line that was, call um, uh, like there's there's a line in the Torah that's that's in reference to I think new fruits before they've been brought to the temple. Mm-hmm. Kol asur, everything mm-hmm. that's new is forbidden. Um, and he and he took that line and he phrased it and he applied it here. And he said kol khadash, Asa, Asa Madaraisa, everything new is forbidden from the Torah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the attitude um, that he was he was teaching to the the people who had just come into terms with, you know, all these new ideas coming through and, and in some cases ravaging their communities was if anyone shows up at your, in your village with anything new, tell them no. If all they say is, hey, you know those psalms we say before the Shema, maybe we should rearrange the order? No, that's shit. And um, I, I was talking to a... a, a dear friend and teacher and mentor of mine, Rabbi Reich, about this. And he um, he pointed out that, like, that attitude is what saved Hungarian Judaism from extinction. So, like, I think there's a couple of things going on. One is that it's older, but the other is that it's, like, not as... It doesn't have to be as, like, as heated, right? Because, like, Holocaust narratives, as soon as you start with them, like, the first step you, the thing you got to do is, like, take 15 steps back and be <laughs> respectful and gentle, but then you don't actually address it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the fact that it's, like you know, it goes back to an Enlightenment narrative, like, it's, first of all, you can come at it with, like, a sense of, I guess, like, more compassionate understanding, but also you, you can, like, hold people to it and be like, all right, so look, so we get, like, where this attitude is coming from, but we have to take a look at, like, what it's doing to Jews around Jude, the fringes. Exactly.
1: And, uh whew, denominations, boy, they did a number on Judaism. Hmm. <laughs> um I mean, that's, uh, you still see that today like uh, the more that like orthodoxy the denominations in general have just really defined themselves in negatives as opposed to finding this is what you know we do it's usually this is what we don't do right and that happens a lot in orthodoxy and sort of was reactionary to like reform than conservative because oh they're doing this so we're gonna do this so the more Reform sort of swung to the left; more orthodoxy sort of swung to the right. Mm. And then once conservative happened, that tried to like move away from reform, then orthodoxy moved even further because conservatives looked too much like orthodoxy at, at that point. At at a certain point, orthodoxy and the conservative movement, in its early conception, were so close that that's when the conservative movement adopted the sort of rule that uh, to be a conservative shul, sure, you couldn't have a mechitzah because that was the only thing at that point that was distinguishing conservative services from orthodox services. And oh. with the sort of resurgence to a reconnection to traditional Judaism, and so you're having reform of conservative move, swing back towards uh, traditional Judaism, orthodoxy is now, instead of trying to move closer and bridge that gap, it's moving even further right. you know, away, which is, which is really not helpful for anyone involved.
0: Yeah, how, how how can this go well? Uh,
1: I don't think it can Oof. or or will, because everyone's just going to continue defying themselves in uh, negatives, really, except for Ashkenazi, because nominations are an Ashkenazi sort of conception. Like, Sfardim, misrachim they don't sort of have that. There's, like... And that means there's A, there's B, there's C. Mm -hmm. I just don't do A. I just don't do B. I just don't do C. I do A, B, or B, C, and A and C. But A, B, and C are equally valid. Once you have, like, the Haskalah, there's this sort of theological cognitive dissonance or intellectual dishonesty that sort of happens. I don't do A because A no longer applies. Or I don't do B and C because now they're archaic or they don't fit into our world anymore. And so once you introduce that sort of uh, intellectual theology, there's no... There's no stopping what you can decide is valid and not valid, and now you have this form and that form. We see denominations have still continued, because have out of uh, the reform movement, humanist Judaism came out. of conservative movement, you have Reconstructionist Judaism that came out. And so now there's um, a different branch that's escaping my head, right? Renewal Judaism. And so... Once that happens, it's just like a snowball effect that's just going to keep splintering and keep splintering and keep splintering and keep splintering.
0: I I I want to just try and dig in this a bit further because I'm not sure I entirely get, Mm -hmm. like, what I'm I'm hearing from this, like, the the main overarching point is a sort of, um, and I could be completely wrong here, but I'm trying to understand what you're saying. Is it... There's sort of like there's this view in Judaism until a couple hundred years ago. It seems to be mm-hmm. that like, look, we're Ashkenazim. We do things this way. You're Shafalim, we do things that way. That's fine. We'll just do things this way. But then, along with the that that sort of closing of ranks and that that circling of the wagons, there there comes this idea that everyone who's doing things differently to us is instantly suspect. Yeah. Is that is that what you're getting at? Here? I would agree with that. So so that that's the what leads to the splintering because now we have this sort of almost pathological need to, like, check ourselves for, for, for purity and like <laughs> condemn anyone who's slightly different. Being
1: slightly weird, slightly different, or if they're doing something, and they look enough like you, but they're not doing the things that you do. You now need to do this other thing to super distinguish yourself from right. these people so no one gets confused, and it's, uh, it's really not helpful. We're losing those spaces where we can come together and can coexist in a particular space.
0: So. What what's one of those spaces that's like still valuable for you? Uh,
1: hmm. That's a great and interesting question, and I don't think I have anything off the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't know something as simple as I get coming together for Shabbat. Yeah. Like when we lived uh, in Brooklyn before we moved up to New City, we used to host like ere Shabbat like dinners like 30 weeks out of the air. And we'd have everyone there, like um, people who had conversions that weren't Orthodox or they're, uh, they were paternally Jewish, you know, all these different things. And like we made it very clear, yeah, we're an Orthodox you know, family and household. And so we do things this way. This is our Jewish. Uh, we're not going to like disrespect your Jewish. Like we're mm-hmm. not gonna say, hey, can you turn this light on because you're not really Jewish. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're here, we're Jews. We all agree that Shabbat's a thing. And come together and, and eat and you know enjoy ourselves as Jews. Let's do that here. And I don't think that happens in a way across denominations that isn't sort of agended. Like you know, sure come because we are secretly trying to cure you or you know are mm-hmm. trying to. Oh, you you know you poor you know secretary, Drew, you don't know any better. Come here, join our table. We'll you know we'll show you 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 poor like in the paternalistic kind of condescending way. So we're, we're losing those spaces where we can just engage on sort of an equal playing field, uh, despite our different observance styles. And I say observance styles, not levels, because we don't live on a two-dimensional plane. Right. And no one has like, uh, like a scorecard. Like you could be reform and you do like these five mitzvot, and I'm Orthodox, and I do these 20, but the five that you're doing are worth 100 points each, and the 20 I'm doing are like one. So right. there's
0: I mean, this is this is like canon, right? This yeah. is as, as as deep into Judaism's DNA as possible. <laughs> it's like don't 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 None, be measuring your mitzvahs. Exactly. You don't I mean, know. You don't well,
1: which ones are small, which ones are large, or all those kinds of things. Yeah. And thing. I think that also contributes to that sort of uh, denominational divide, where at least how I see it, it's like orthodoxy and non-orthodoxy sort of took those two luchot where. One of them are, like, the commandments between man and God, and the other ones are the commandments between man and man. And orthodoxy and non-orthodoxy split up the tablets and decided mm. that they're the better Jew because of it. Like, wow. orthodoxy so is, we're better because, you know, we keep Shabbat and Mitzvot and do these things, and, you know, you guys are over there, like, having bake sales on Yom Kippur or something like that. But So we're the better Jew. And non-orthodoxy is like, you know, we care about, you know, what's happening in the world and the poor and, you know, and we're the better Jew. but And neither one wants to, like, grapple with reality that, no, you're just equally bad Jews. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just working and, off a different tablet. Like.
0: <laughs> and the word of the Lord came to him on the third day, <laughs> speaking to the children of Israel, saying... You have to grapple with the fact that <laughs> you're both equally bad Jews <laughs> Gee. wow you, do, you, do you know much about um Abram Yeshua Heschel a little bit yeah because he i found I, I like I got really deeply into him like a few years ago, sort of trying I read some of his stuff mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out like his sort of um his sort of like his life trajectory and how he did Judaism because mm-hmm. I really really liked like how he sort of he was um he was he was an Orthodox rabbi at the time of the at the time of like Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. He was like starting his walks, and he was he was the one who like seemed to have all the you know both tablets let's say yeah like he got up and he's like well obviously if I'm Jewish and this guy's you know fighting oppression it's my responsibility to be you know with him there, and he said this thing like um, when I marched in Selma
1: I prayed with my feet I
0: prayed with my feet, but then like that that seemed to be something that like he had a lot of trouble. Like keeping synthesizing and passing on like where's where's his is there a legacy for that that you see
1: i think it comes back again to that uh two tablet kind of thing where you might have jews that start out traditionally observant or Mm -hmm. orthodox and they see this other tablet and this other half and they try to engage with that but the pushback is oh you're not really being jewish mm-hmm. you, you know you're you're doing something weird and different and that's not that's not how we do things it's not uh it's the it it happens today in orthodoxy around like a a gender identity where there's this uh, pushback against uh, transgenderism or other genders and ignoring that Talmudically, traditionally, Judaism has six different gender states. It doesn't have just male and female.
0: Male, female, tumtums, and dragon
1: Saris, and Ayunites.
0: Oh, wow. Saris and
1: Ayunites, they start out one gender and they end up the other gender. And that's, it's, I'm not saying that, you know, the Talmud was conceiving of sex and gender as we do today or mm. that it was a super, you know, leftist progressive thing. But there was a concept, yeah, that there are people that don't fit into just male and female as we as we conceive it.
0: I mean, like, on the yeah, on the, on the most basic level, that's a, it's a practical question. It's like, okay, what are what are a man's obligations with regard to, like, the pilgrimages? What mm-hmm. are a woman's obligations with regard to the pilgrimages? What happens
1: to people who fall in between? Right. We even have gender dysmorphia with Yosef and Dina. That's an entire Zohar about that, that right. they were supposed to come down in different bodies and, you know, lay a praise. Oh, you know, turn mine into a girl and turn hers into a boy. But after they're born, like, Uh, stereotypical gender you know, tropes aside they still act like the original gender they were supposed to be born. Mm. Leah gets, uh, what, Dina gets into trouble with Shechem what, the verse starts what? Dina goes out to look upon the daughters of Shechem. Right. She's still born a boy. Yosef gets into trouble what? He's gossiping. He's he's into his clothes. He goes off to Egypt he starts doing his hair and his eyes like he's still manifesting all those feminine traits that he was supposed to be originally born with. And so when we don't talk about these things and we lose these things, we lose the opportunity to grapple with them and maybe show or create create or show or or manifest how you can have these uh, grappling densities and still work within a traditional observant framework Mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling like you can't anymore and you need to leave.
0: Right. Instead of, right. So like the the response tends to be like one of just like pushing people out rather than even... Trying to have conversations about that, trying to, look or aggressive. even pointing
1: to examples of like how people who have these experiences or these identities, you know, interacted there. Mm. I mean, there's even a, a school of thought that maybe Yonatan was gay, and he had like feelings for David, because there's that uh, the Machar Chodesh you know, after our reading when. There's a the whole, oh, I think your dad's angry at me. And and Jonathan's you know, so like, no, go go off to the forest for three days. And I'm going to go, like, to, you know, the banquet. And if he asks about you, it's safe to come. And so, Shaw asks Jonathan, you know, where's David? He's like, oh, I don't know where he is. He's hanging out. And then, Shaul says, like, a son of, like, a stubborn woman, don't you know I know I know that you prefer the company of Son of Ishai to the company of women?
0: What? And he's like... And where's, where's this one? This
1: is in... Uh, Shmuel base, I believe.
0: Yeah.
1: It's the Macher Chodesh Haftorah reading. Mm. So there are different, there's, you know, interpretation of what's happening there, but like literally, he's saying something. That
0: seems pretty straightforward. Very
1: definite. And Yonatan gets angry at that and leaves the table sort of embarrassed. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, you see Yonatan married and had children and had, you know, did all like the, he checked off all the checked traditional the Jewish the observant life things. Right. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But if you don't have that conversation, there's no avenue to even say, "Hey, even if this is your thing, there's possibly a way to still stay within that realm of like traditional observant Judaism."
0: Mm-hmm. So, I, I wanna, I wanna. I, we we are rapidly running out of time, but I did want to <laughs> talk about something, um, something else you mentioned off camera, which is like growing up, you uh, played D and D. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's
1: all we have time for <laughs> so. goodbye folks um, Well, I guess I want to clarify I didn't really play D&D I, uh, you read I, the monster's manual I, 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 I definitely bought all the player handbooks ah. and the monster's manuals and the dungeon master handbooks just the art was great and I, I used it a lot and like creating my, my own fictional worlds that come for a very heavy geeky background of for comic sure. books and video games and anime and all that fun stuff so yeah
0: Okay, if, if you, if you, like, did you ever, like, sit there and be like, oh, man, if I were playing a D&D campaign, I'd be, like, this <laughs> and this, and
1: I'd do this. I definitely have. I've, I've played maybe a couple of campaigns. Mm-hmm. I, even, like, some Marvel superhero campaigns. That's really dating and outing myself.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> do, do, you like a, do you have, like, a class race combo that you, like, love to play?
1: Um, not really. I, I, I like fighters and paladins. Oh, Yeah. Fighters and paladins—that seems to be like my jam, right mm-hmm. there.
0: Yeah. Like to get your hands dirty. You
1: Chaotic good, usually. So.
0: Uh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you—you had the first. Uh, Immanuel I folks want to connect with you more. Uh, do you have like you have this this book that's just come out, this novel, Ariel Stamps, and freelance rabbi. Oh uh, yeah,
1: you can find that on Amazon and Barnes & Noble's, all the usual places. Uh, and I have a people... Facebook page. You can find me there. I'm on uh, Twitter, at uh, Manashtana. I'm on Instagram, uh, the real Manashtana, because inexplicably somebody else has the name Manashtana on Instagram. Um, and uh, you can email me at Manashtana at Manashtana.net. Brilliant. All right.
0: Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. <laughs>
1: thank you for having me. It's and been a blast.
0: <laughs> much success with your chaotic good activities. <laughs> Tana, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you.